You're listening to A Journey in American English. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. In today's episode, Chris and I want to talk about a topic we feel is very relevant to the modern world, which is globalization. With respect to the U.S., we want to analyze the phrase and thinking behind the mantra, buying American. We want to ask if that means anything at all, if that can mean anything in a global society where we are all so connected. That's the topic of today. So without further ado, let's begin. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> So, I completely forgot that it's daylight savings time. Yes, I surprised him. I I messaged him <laughs> like, "Hey, don't I'm I'm running a little late. I'll be just a minute. Sorry." Kind of thing. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, are we starting early?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, I have a lot of time because I just finished eating." So, I was like, "I'm going to work a little bit, do some of my homework." And yeah, cuz Germany is on a different schedule. So we do daylight savings time next week, I believe. And uh, it's always crazy because the U.S. has, I believe, four time zones, five time zones. I'm not exactly sure. And some states actually don't do daylight savings time. I believe one of them is Arizona. I think it's just Arizona. Is it? And um, if I remember right... Um... There might be like one county in Arizona that does do it, or I might be thinking of New Mexico where there's one county that doesn't do it, but it's it's a weird mess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I cheated. I just double-checked, so it is Arizona. It is the only state, because I thought Arizona and Hawaii, but apparently it's just Arizona. I hate daylight savings time. There are so many countries that don't observe it, like even in Europe. The U.S. is trying to be one of those countries. I mean, it feels like it's always trying, but I had heard about a week ago that uh, the Senate was going to hear arguments about it, maybe vote on it, but I, I haven't I just, heard anything since, so... I just don't get the point. I mean, I understand why we have it. I understand what it was good for, but in general, I, I, don't, I don't see the point in keeping it. I really don't. Well, it's like, it's like summer vacation. We started summer vacation in schools so that kids could help on the farm during the summer. Really? Yeah. No, you're so pulling my leg. daylight savings true. is also to help the farmers. But I'm not saying farmers don't make up an adequate portion of the country. But, you know, the, the percentage of children uh, that need to help on their farms has probably gone significantly down. And I think farmers are capable of just you know, getting up when they need to get up to do their work. I don't think we need to completely change time for them. That's hilarious. Um, but it was, this, it's the same here too in Germany. Um, my wife's aunt always tells me stories about how when she was a little kid, so like in like the 60s and whatnot, that the children could get out of school if they helped the farmers in the field. So they'd help them like pick corn and potatoes and whatnot and that was a way for you to get out of school but i'd never heard of that in the u.s though 
Um, yeah, I mean that that's an in, that's an interesting way to get out of school. I, I suppose. So I, I guess it's better to just let the kids who actually need to be out to be out rather than force everyone to take three months off. So summer vacation is an interesting topic. I want to spend like a few seconds on that and daylight savings time before we move on to our actual topic. Absolutely. But um, in the U.S., for I believe for most states summer vacation is around i would say two to three months and i I believe in missouri it was maybe from may to august i can't remember but at any rate it was way too long like summer vacation this was way too long because you know you'd spend six seven eight months in school and then you'd be off for like three and you pretty much forget everything you learned in the entire school year and I was shocked when I when I came to Germany to realize that like summer vacation is, is a lot shorter, like it's maybe like two months max. And that still sounds pretty long. It does. It's super long, and you definitely don't need that much time off. Yeah, and I mean, as a kid, you love it, I but mean, yeah, if you if you still true. have to do the same amount of school wouldn't there i know there are times of the year where there's just uh, we're kind of in one of those stretches right now where there's really no uh there's no holidays or not many excuses to take time off i guess for kids they have spring break but you have as adults you have a big long stretch of no holidays no time off no three-day weekends and if you only had to work 180 days a year i would definitely <laughs> want to split those 180 day or those 180 days a little more evenly so that there weren't these long stretches of just going to school or work. Yeah, definitely. I think the American school system is very interesting because um, it's very linear. So, so for those who don't know, it's basically uh, you have this K through 12 system. So kindergarten being like, you know, the first, so that's why it's K and 12 because that's the last year of high school. And you basically only have, well, four stages. You have kindergarten, elementary, middle, and high school. And then you're done. Whereas in a lot of countries, like in example, in France and Germany, uh, depending on how good your grades are, will determine on what school you go to. So there are different school forms. And um, so I think it's more of like a, a tree rather than like a straight line. And that's always so difficult explaining that to a lot of people over here because they think it's the same as in Germany or in France. I remember that used to terrify me when I was taking German in high school. I was like, it already feels like an American schooling. Your destiny, your fate is determined super early. Like the the decisions of a 17 or 16 year old are going to affect the rest of their lives. And that's terrifying. Now imagine if you're like 13 or 14 (laughs) and you need those good grades to get into a good high school, to get into a good university. Yeah, a lot of people. That's who, terrifying. A lot of people have seen The Simpsons. It's pretty popular abroad, and there have been a couple of episodes with Lisa because she's you now she's the goody two shoes and she doesn't want to get in trouble, and she's always worried about something going on her permanent record. You know, there's this myth that you get like this this folder that'll follow you for the rest of your life, and if you get something on your permanent record, then you'll go into like a bad school, uh, you'll get into like a a poor college or not into the college of your choice. Um. And that's sort of like an American myth, I think, that you see a lot in South Park and in uh, Simpsons and a lot of these shows. But 
Well, I'm, I'm sure the school districts definitely have files on students. Oh, yeah, de- <laughs> if, definitely. If, if you do something wrong <laughs> enough, they will it, it will follow you somewhat. But it's not like something you did when you were eight is going to crop up, you know, when you're it, 20 at university. It is interesting that your whole life, well, at least your whole academic career, I would say, I wouldn't say your entire life, but your whole academic career is really decided by the last four years of your schooling. And anything you've done up to that while you know it's necessary because you can't get to high school without middle school unless you're a genius um none of that really matters (laughs) so i always thought that was really interesting and uh, what was going to say and with daylight savings time i think it's so annoying and i think the thinking for that was so that you would have more time in the field so you would have more more sunlight more daylight um and in the winter it doesn't really matter yeah it's the same amount of time though. It really is. I and mean, all right, if we're if we want to be really, really completely fair about it, they get one more hour for one single day. I don't think that one single hour of work in one season is going to make that big of a difference. Well, the thinking is is that throughout the whole summer you have more day you have more time. You know, you have more of the sunlight. That's why uh I believe that's that's the logic behind it. But I think it's long overdue and we definitely don't need it. I don't really see any benefit. I mean, sure. Um, I used to work a lot of night shifts, so it was nice knowing you had an extra hour of sleep. But other than that, I really don't have any benefit. Maybe, and this kind of ties into the topic we're going to touch on, maybe that's more of like a global thing. So maybe globally speaking or like on a national level, daylight savings time is, I would, I would say maybe beneficial to some companies, I don't know, like, <clears throat> I don't know in like what way, like maybe to like truckers, because uh, they can drive longer or drive less. Um, uh, le- at least not in America. I don't think that would be a factor there. Yeah. Over the years, truckers have gotten pretty strict um, laws and rules they have to follow that you can't just, you know, pound five energy drinks and yeah. drive 40 hours straight anymore that is I've very been, illegal <laughs> i've been watching a lot of documentaries here in uh in at least about german truckers but i don't think it really matters where you come from because i would say the life of a trucker is more or less the same in that uh, you sit in a rig and you drive a very long distance and you're on your own and i know there are some truckers who do like local local drive so they'll do like 50 miles or something and then there are some truckers who do like at least in europe they'll do like cross country so they'll go from like germany to spain or they'll go from like germany to uh, the ukraine or something Um, that sounds very similar to like how it is for an american driver yeah just the land mass yeah i'm sure there are truckers that will just stay in state and then there are some that'll go from like i don't know florida to uh new york or something i have no idea and you often see at least in these documentaries, they have these computers that'll register how long they've been driving. And they're really strict about that. That if you do like, I don't know, let's say for example, if you're a trucker, you got to do six hours and then you have to take like a five hour break or something. I don't know. And it used to be that you would have to, you would write this down. Um, you would write down your breaks, you know, like I did eight hours and now I've taken a five hour break so I can drive again. And they would cheat the system. And they would just like write in their books saying they, they had done a five hour break, but really they'd only like rested for like 20 minutes. And they're basically driving 20 hours on like three hours of sleep or something. 
So, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> they've <laughs> they've made moves to avoid that as much as possible. Which, yeah. when you're driving something that large, uh, yeah, that's true. Definitely a good idea. Yeah. So that, like I said, that ties into our topic. So we want to talk a little bit about globalization with respect to buying American. And that's a phrase I believe that you hear a lot. It's a very patriotic phrase. You know, if you love your country, you buy American, you know. And so I guess I'll I'll hand that off to you. Like, what do you think that means? Like, what do you think buying American means? I mean, it's complicated. Yep. Uh, It feels like buying local, but just on a national scale. You know, if you when you go to your local pie shop and you buy one of their pies you know you feel good about it like hey i'm buying this local product there's no corporate hand in this i'm supporting my community i'm supporting this business i want them to stay open it feels nice yeah um and it's simple uh but as with most things when you go from a local to national scale things get a lot more complicated um you can buy you know a made in america hat or a made in america pair of jeans or a made in america shirt And it might have been stitched here, but a lot of, you know, those materials might have come from India or Honduras or who knows where you start. It starts getting muddled, you know? Yeah, definitely. What what is being made is buying, you know, Chinese nails to build an American box. (laughs) Does that make it American? Does that make it Chinese? Does that make it both? That's a very complicated question. That reminds me of, of the song Pray of a Refugee by Rise Against. Mm-hmm. and so for anyone listening you have to check out the song so prayer of a refugee by rise against and it's from the early 2000s and basically it's a four to five minute song a music video and it it shows pictures of these immigrants or actually you know what they're not immigrants because they're in their country so it shows pictures of foreign workers so in honduras in china and in vietnam indonesia and it shows them creating these american products and then they switch back to the U.S. And, and they show these American products in the American section. And so you see an American worker putting a sticker on it saying made in the U.S. And I also believe that what's the shoe brand called? I believe it's called Vans. And they got a lot of trouble for that because they would say like, yeah, our shoes are American. Like they're made completely in the U.S. But like you said, at one point, does it stop being a foreign product? And what point does it start being, quote unquote, an American product? And my position would be, I don't think that's even possible. I don't think it's possible to say you have an American product or you have a French product because we're so interconnected because of globalization. Exactly. Even on the local level, if you go to that local pie shop, you know, where did she get the pie tin? Where yeah. did she get the oven? Oh, <laughs> they they built those in America? Where'd they get the materials? Where's the, where'd they get the little computer chips for the oven? That's true. And I, I that's, a, that's, a, that's such a good point because I think it's so absurd to believe that you can buy American. Now, of course, people will make the argument that you have customs, you know, so you have to pay tariffs. If you import stuff from China or you import stuff from Japan, they make you pay taxes on that. And for those who don't know, because this seems to be a confusing topic, but I don't know why. 
so let's say for example you have pro you have product a i don't know let's say for like some shoes and in the u.s these shoes would cost a hundred dollars so a pair of shoes costs a hundred dollars but the same shoes cost let's say thirty dollars in japan and so the logical thinking would be well i'll just import them and i'll save 70 bucks <laughs> but the government's not that stupid so what they right. do, yeah, the government's not that stupid. So the government knows you're trying to cheat them on taxes because, you know, you pay 30 bucks for the shoes, maybe five bucks, 10 bucks for shipping, wait two or three weeks and you get cheaper shoes. But the government makes you pay taxes on that. And those are tariffs. So I guess that's one way of keeping money uh, in your country. But still, even if you buy those shoes in the country, that's still not buying American. Yes, and as a side note, it's not always <laughs> <laughs> even even if you could sidestep all that and just yeah. buy you know those Japanese shoes or whatever you want. Um, a lot of these countries have things that people in other countries would want but can't just can't buy. Yeah. So there are companies that their whole business is, hey, you want something that you can only get in our country and they don't ship overseas or whatever? We will go buy it for you. And ship it to you, yeah. And that's yeah. that's a whole that's a whole another layer of cost right there too. Yeah, I use those sometimes too for Japanese companies. Um, yeah, basically, it's it's they'll buy it for you, and then you have to pay them for buying it for you. <laughs> and then I'm sure you have to pay a little markup on shipping and yeah, and tariffs. Middlemen are expensive. Yeah, there's this one website. What's it called? Wish.com. Have you heard of it? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even call that a middleman site. I would call it's such a ripoff. That's true. But so it, it it's an appropriate name, though. <laughs> so at the risk of getting a little nerdy. Yeah. Um, I know this isn't something you're super familiar with, but mm -hmm. in in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> there is a high level spell called Wish. If you okay. use this spell, there are several listed things you can do that are very powerful. Or you can just make a wish, like with a genie. But the dungeon master, the person running the game, is highly encouraged to twist the wish in a sort of monkey's paw, you know, oh, that's you, a... I, I fulfilled your wish, but not in the way you wanted it kind of way. That's and that's a... kind of how wish is. That's a good story. That's a So I want to... I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, so <laughs> I only know that it exists and that it's a game. That that's that's really it. But you mentioned Monkey's Paw, which I think is really interesting because that's a story. Uh, I don't remember who it's from, but it's a story from the, the 1800s. And for those who don't know, there's um, there's this guy who lives in the house, I believe, and he gets a visitor. I'm probably messing with the story, but the point being, this guy gets a monkey's paw and the guy who gives him the paw says, um, you have as many wishes as this thing has fingers. So I it's like five. I think there are five fingers on it, I believe. Um, but every time he fulfills a wish, it doesn't go the way he plans. Um, something like gets screwed up and I haven't read that story in forever. But yeah, that's true. Like wish.com. Uh, I've never used it. It's such a ripoff, though. Absolutely. I remember uh, this is something I saw on the front page of Reddit, I think a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Somebody had ordered like a 
six person above ground swimming pool. Oh no. And they posted a picture of it. <laughs> it was like three people standing like knee to knee, shoulder to shoulder in this thing. And they could barely, you know, fit. And it, you know, it was like ankle deep. Yeah, I watched I watched this one video on YouTube a couple weeks back about this guy who bought a Chinese supercar. And he bought it, I think it was like on wish.com or Alibaba. And he bought it for 30 grand, which is really cheap for a supercar. And it took like a half a year for him to get his car. And it turned out that he'd been scammed, that it was just like this small, smart mini car, you know, for like city, uh, city stuff. But it wasn't like anything he had ordered. And my thinking was like, why would you pay that much money for a car from a different country that you've never seen and you've never driven uh, from some company that you've never heard of? But yeah, people and that probably is not very reputable. Yeah, definitely. It's not like you're. <laughs> it's not like you're uh, placing a call to Ferrari and ordering a car for yourself. I feel like I would be comfortable if I was in the market for a supercar, buying a Ferrari sight unseen. I feel like their name is <laughs> yeah. worth that. <laughs> yeah, and on the topic of buying cars and buying American, I've had a lot of friends. I won't name them by name. But, and their parents who were adamantly diametrically opposed to buying any car that wasn't American. So what I mean by that is the brand. So you couldn't buy like Toyota, you couldn't buy Hyundai, you couldn't buy um, a Volvo or a Volkswagen or any of that stuff. You would have to buy like Ford or Chevy and stuff like that. And I always thought that was weird because as you pointed out a couple minutes ago, the engine is probably from Mexico. The tires are probably from Canada. The paint is probably from Vietnam. Uh, the seats, the leather is probably from France. And while sure there's some guy in a factory who's, who gets like 30 bucks an hour for assembling it, I don't know if I would say that's like buying American. You know what I mean? Right. I, and this is something, if you want to buy American, it's totally fine. And it's, yeah. you know, it's totally reasonable to want to support, you know, your, your local community and your country and your state or however, what level we're dealing with. Mm. Uh, but you're going to have to understand uh, it is a matter of degrees to which you're supporting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of disingenuous because while you might be buying American from an American company, this American company is in other countries selling them American products. And uh, let's say, for example, you know, like Ford, a good example, or Chevy. I, I don't want to say if they're good or bad cars. I'm not a car person. I don't care. <laughs> but they're American companies and General Motors. So an American could make the point of, I'll buy American cars, so I'll buy from them. And the Japanese could be like, we're not buying American cars. We're only buying Japanese cars. And I don't have any statistics, but it's always been that we buy more cars from the Japanese than they buy from us. And that's been like a sticking point for a lot of politicians in the U.S. as of late. Exactly. And I, I wonder, this is, this is just totally a random thought I'm having, yeah, yeah. but I would say American cars are on average bigger and heavier than foreign cars. Oh my especially God, yes. Asian cars, right? Is that fair? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like cars here are so small compared to their American counterparts. Now people import American cars and you notice that right away because they do not fit in here. 
So what, I suppose that would be a thing even in your because when I think of like yeah. German cars, I'm thinking like, you know, or European cars, I'm thinking like really nice, big uh, sedans, like the luxury yeah. sedans, because that's what gets imported here <laughs> from that area. So a lot of the cars that get imported here, this is my subjective opinion, are muscle cars or the modern versions. They could be old. They could be like uh, from like the 70s or they could be like the modern counterparts. But muscle cars here are very popular. And every now and then, it really only happens, uh, it rarely happens. You see like Hummers and they're huge on these streets. And like, <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, like the, this the mental American, image is so funny. <laughs> yeah. And like the, uh, the American pickups, you know, if you imagine people from like the South or, you know, like country people using their, their trucks to do stuff in the woods and whatnot like those kind of vehicles that are uh very necessary for that kind of work you see those here too sometimes and it, it doesn't work because they're so huge and uh, they just it just they just eat up gas and i don't know how you can afford that <laughs> yeah there are so many of those around here yeah i hate them i don't like them but i'm not a car i mean person. they're <laughs> very useful to have if I think everybody in America needs to know at least one person that has one. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, you you're gonna need to move something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I forgot about that. That's uh, and it's nice being high off the ground too. I've driven a few. I've never owned one, but when I've had to drive them, uh, it is nice being high off the ground. I can't I can't argue with that, uh, but I try to avoid driving when I can. I just I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, and before I forget, yeah. and this was the thing mm -hmm. I was kind of getting at with the difference in size. I wonder if it plays a factor, certainly not a major factor, but the difference in size and weight. I wonder if that plays a factor into imports because uh, they must be harder to move. Yeah, I'm sure. You have to get them across an ocean. <laughs> I've been in a couple of... Uh facebook groups and people talk about like hey i'm moving to germany or moving to the u.s and you got to get a container you know they put that stuff in a, in a in a boat or on a boat and they ship that and it takes like five or six weeks to arrive so i'm sure they weigh it um but american cars are by no means light they're yeah. they're they're gas eaters you know they... and a more realistic thing that you were mentioning that you know the roads in other parts of the world are just smaller yeah, definitely. I... It's even a thing we kind of see in America. Um, you, Europe is older, of course. A couple uh, of the older. roads were built a long time ago. <laughs> I'm, I mean, <laughs> Europe isn't older. <laughs> well, it really depends on where you are in Europe. So there are... I sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. I just want to say real no, quick. No, you're so fine. There, so there are two parts to almost every European city. There's the modern version where you have modern roads and there is like the old town um, and you have this in almost every city and you don't have like asphalt or concrete. You have like cobblestone and I can probably think of like five cities around me that have that and you can't drive a truck through that. It's just it's torture on the street and on the vehicle and those are really old. That kind of goes back to World War II where Europe was like almost like carpet bomb. It was completely destroyed. And there were a lot of buildings that survived. 
And so those buildings that survived, most of them were churches, which I think is very interesting. Um, like if you go and look at pictures of Cologne from World War II, you'll see that it's devastated. But the majority of the buildings that survived were churches, uh, including the, the Cologne Cathedral. Anyway, um, you have this mixture of like old and new in a lot of European cities. And you'll be driving down like a smooth road with your car and then you'll just go into like cobblestone and it's just, it's just torture. <laughs> yeah. That so, sounds, yeah. that sounds jarring. I don't believe there's any kind of places like that uh, in the U S there's going to be tiny, tiny, tiny towns that might have a lot of dirt roads. Yeah. Um, if there's anywhere in the U S that would have that, it would be the Northeast. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time there. I know it is definitely the oldest part of the country mm. and a lot of the roads aren't designed with more modern sensibilities. Uh, when they were planned, there's just not a good way to change them. That's cost effective. And I know that uh, truckers do not like going to that area of the country for that reason. It's just more difficult to deal with. You don't have as much space, just more mm. challenging overall. So I'm imagining the rest of the world <laughs> is like that, but just significantly worse. And that would be another reason why they would not want American cars. But Americans do. And that's the thing I find very interesting is that America exports a lot of its culture. And I don't really like saying America prefer in this context to use like the United States. Uh, I try to use the United States whenever possible, but it doesn't always work for uh, linguistic reasons. Anyway, the U.S. exports a lot of its culture, its movies, uh, its music, its food, for, for better or for worse, its clothing, uh, just a lot of stuff is exported to different cultures. And that's why the U.S. is so well known. I don't know if you'd find a soul on earth that hasn't heard of the U.S. You know what I mean? So everyone knows who we are. And that's because we export a lot. And this is to the detriment of other cultures. So for example, like in Europe and in Japan, if you want to be a singer, you have to sing in English, you know, because it's it's the dominant language and it's the dominant culture. And I think telling people to buy American while also exporting your culture to other countries is somewhat hypocritical. Or that's just the way I see it anyway. Well, it's there's it depends on the intent behind it you have to think of it you're thinking too nicely about it maybe yeah you're, probably you're too right. good of a person <laughs> you don't you don't see it it's not about wanting to support your country in that way it's about wanting to exert as much you know control and you want team america team us to be as good as winning as possible so mm. you want to only buy from within and you want to export as much as possible that's the thinking a lot of people will have. Yeah. I just don't know if I can marry the two ideas, but I understand. I, but you find that sentiment now more than ever, especially since the last presidency, you know, that was more or less the slogan America first and whatnot, um, which I always find that was, a, I always found that was a weird slogan, you know, America first or make America great again without getting too political. Cause I definitely don't want to get political, but I just want to analyze the, the expressions in of themselves. And someone made the comment of when did the U.S. ever not consider itself to be the first? You know what I mean? Like America's always had the sentiment of 
we're the first, we're the best, you know, we have the best stuff. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I was, believe the politicians, uh, when they're sworn in in certain positions, they have to make an oath, you know, to uphold America's interests. Well, I mean, that's different, I think, than like uh, buying. Yeah, definitely. You have to uphold our interests. But that's true of any politician of any country. Um, that's why the president has to be natural born and can't be naturalized, which I always found was kind of odd because you don't have that rule in a lot of countries. That's really like an American rule that the president has to be a natural citizen. And it's which of, you would think of any country in the world, we would be the one that would allow a naturalized citizen. Yeah, yeah, you would, because there's so many people here from so many backgrounds and they're not allowed to be president. Although right. realistic, realistically speaking, we've only had 46. So the chances of any one person becoming president is very slim. So it's not a huge problem. I believe you can hold other offices, though. Um, you can hold anything but president. Yeah. And I don't think the president has that much power anyway. Um, a lot of his, so at the moment, his power is tied up in other parties. So if like the, like the other parties say, like, we don't want to work with you, well, nothing gets done. So, but yeah. Right. Well, the uh, the president has a lot of power that's not necessarily in the books the president has influence um yep. i remember john oliver was talking about this recently maybe it wasn't john oliver it was might have been someone else i was listening to they were discussing historically presidents have used the power of the bully pulpit basically just saying i want this thing to happen yeah and everyone should vote for it and mm. the people in their party that don't vote for it now they look terrible because <laughs> Most of the party is for it, and the president of the United States is for it. So if you are against it, everyone is going to look at you and question you and have very bad thoughts about you when it comes to voting time. Yeah, that's another thing that the U.S. has explored is this idea of democracy, you know, to American exceptionalism, if you will, that it is our job to uh, go forth and spread democracy. And for better or for worse, I would say it's I guess, worked to certain extents in certain countries. But yeah, you're definitely right in that you don't have like a real choice. So if everyone's not on board, then nothing gets done. So I try not to be too uh, excited about one particular person or one particular party because I know that person's power is limited yes. by other people. <clears throat> by virtue of a democracy, your power is limited. So... I think what the president has is the same thing that the queen has, the queen of England, in that he has a lot of soft power. So by expressing his uh, satisfaction or dissatisfaction of something, he can get things done. And you saw that with, you know, the last president and uh, the other presidents that came before them, <clears throat> that all they had to say is like, I think this is good or I think this is bad. And it, it got a lot done, surprisingly. So Absolutely. I think the pen, you know, the pen is the last resort <laughs> of like actually writing something. Does the queen have much uh, real power? Yeah, um, I'm not an expert on, I, I'm less of an expert on uh, English politics, but she is able to, what's it called? Dissolve parliament, par parliament and right. um, reenact a new one. Uh, she has a lot of ceremonial power 
but the queen is imp- is incredibly influential because of what she is as a person not necessarily what she can do as a politician to to the extent that she is a politician um so and that's kind of the same in the u.s but the american president definitely has more power than the queen uh, oh absolutely i don't think the queen has the authority to declare war as far as i know but i don't want to say too much because i'm definitely not an expert on that <laughs> there is one thing i want to bring up this is something sure. i heard a few years ago uh, i believe the queen uh, can deny an Australian prime minister's inauguration. Oh, we, uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I'm fairly certain that is something I heard. There's a lot of weird laws with old British colonies and things come up. I don't... Things just never got off the book because why would it ever come up? And tradition, all well, these things. That's true. Speaking of Australia, I don't know... Uh, I believe it's a commonwealth now because you have a lot of these former, as you said, colonies, Canada, for example, a, a couple of Caribbean islands that they all form um, like this commonwealth. So basically it's uh, will help each other out because I believe people on these on the Australian uh, banknotes, they have the queen, but I'm not sure about that. I would have to double check. But yeah. So... So yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. How different uh, exporting culture can be. Oh, absolutely. One thing I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about yeah. is uh, the less um, xenophobic, I suppose, mm-hmm. version of buying American is just brand loyalty. Oh yeah, I'm very There's loyal. Just, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, sometimes you just find a product or a company and you're like, they make this thing exactly the way I want it. I see no reason to ever go to anyone else. As long as they're keeping this up, I'm sticking with them. And sometimes it just is an American company. And it's nice, you know, it, if you can find the exact thing you want and you feel like you're supporting your country and mm. you're keeping local jobs and all those kind of things, it's a nice feeling. There's nothing inherently sinister behind it yeah i'll I'll be the first person to say that i'm definitely loyal to apple to a certain extent because i do use a lot of apple products um and that is definitely a problem because if you see like even windows actually i use i use linux i use windows i use android but the one i love the most is really apple just from like an aesthetic point of view i do like their ui anyway you've seen a lot of these reports that a lot of American companies do use Chinese factories or they use um, factories in other countries and that kind of conflicts with the American ethos and the American idea of like you know it might be an American company that you're supporting but their money definitely isn't staying in the US Um, I believe Apple built a center in Texas a couple of years back to move production to the U.S. so that the U.S. would have more of that money. But a lot of these companies, a lot of these American companies like Google, Apple, Facebook, and whatnot, definitely do do their best to keep their money offshores so that you know none of that money comes back to the U.S. So even if you do buy American, it doesn't mean the money is staying here. It's definitely going somewhere else, but it's not staying in your local area. Right, and it's... 
there are some companies that uh, try to do that, try to say local, try to do everything. I think there is a small, small, small percentage of buying American that is as close to 100% as possible. And then yeah. when you find those companies and you decide, <clears throat> excuse me, you decide you want to, you know, you want, you want to, you want to support your country. You want to support this local business owner providing jobs and all those things. You'll find the price is quite a bit higher. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a guy back when I used to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, he came on and he was talking about how he started like a clothing company. I, they found like an old, old loom and they found like a, an old guy who knew how to use it. And he trained a couple guys. So he has a couple guys that know how to use this old, old, old style loom. And I believe they make jeans, geese, like martial art geese and boots. And I was curious. So I took a look because, you know, I have that part of me, too, where it's like, mm. well, if I can if I can support a local American business that's keeping everything in the States, I'd, I'd want to do that. And you look at their prices and it makes you really, you know, think, are you really committed to this? You, you know, are you willing to spend that cost to say you are buying American when you could buy this something similar for half the price? The quality yeah. might be a little bit higher, but it's probably not double. That's the problem with globalization is that <clears throat> people are, are more willing to sacrifice quality for money you know so that's why for example like fast food might be cheap but no one would say it's quality food and if you want i'll, really... I'll fight someone if they're talking <laughs> bad about in and out though uh, okay <laughs> in and out gets the pass i'm not saying that their food is terrible i would never i would never make that broad claim but what i would say is that in the modern era people are more interested in having something cheap as opposed to have something good and some people are very arrogant and want to have both and that's never possible you can't have something custom made and it be the same cost as something mass produced it's just well was, you just have to do it yourself yeah that's true yeah so and you see that a lot with the uh, with these environmentally friendly stuff or like organic food and organic meat and let's say, for example, I don't know, like a pound of beef. I have no idea what it costs in the U.S., but let's just say like a pound of beef is like five bucks or something. And if it's organic, then it would probably cost double that. And then is the question is like, do you really want to pay double? I don't know. I probably wouldn't, to be honest, just for the simple fact that I don't believe a lot of these organic farmers, especially in Europe, a lot of the laws are lax. So it goes back to the whole buying American. What is like American mean? And a lot of these companies kind of trick you into making you think that this is organic when really maybe two steps were organic and the others were just, you know, factory farming or whatnot. You know what I mean? So Right. And it's, it's like buying American. It's a matter of degrees. Yeah. And it's, it's always like a, a, a question of what kind of definition they're using, you know, and that always makes me skeptical if if it seems to be good, too good to be true, then it probably is. And I have nothing against buying locally, but you have to understand that we're so interconnected at the moment that there's no way that you can keep all of your money in one place. Like no matter what you do, it's, it's like keeping like water in a swing pool all in one corner. 
Like no matter what you do, it's, <laughs> it's going to go into another direction. Like this right, you could put you could put little blocks and barriers and filters, but eventually it's going to yeah. find its way. Yeah, that's the thing is that it's just going to go in different directions. But I, I I don't know. I do think you should be responsible with your money. I try yeah. to at least. <laughs> cooking cooking is good. Everyone should cook. I uh, prepare five meals every week on Sunday. Oh. I maybe spend ten to twelve dollars in raw materials, maybe a bit more if we're going to include the power for the stove. Respect. I don't know if I could do that. I hate cooking. And that's that's five <laughs> meals. Well, also, I'm I'm lazy and I make the same thing every time. I just buy like a Japanese curry roux and just make a a chicken curry. Yeah, with okay. vegetables. I I can understand that. Okay, I sh- I shouldn't say I hate cooking, but I definitely have other things I would much rather do than cook. So. Right. Well, you know, it's a good time to catch up on anything you want to listen to. Also, one little thing I wanted to bring up before we call it, because we're getting close to time here. Yeah. Sometimes you're buying American technically. Really? In the loosest sense of the word. And you know it, but you have to for legal senses. So this is something I learned about back when I used to be more of a firearms enthusiast. I, I still enjoy them but I don't get the chance to go out as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, AK-47s, the, the Russian rifle. Uh-huh. For a long time, you could not buy Russian-made AK-47s in the United States. Probably due to communism, right? I believe it was even past that. I think uh-huh. this was something that changed 10 or 15 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Huh. But you could get around it. An but- American firearms manufacturer imports the rifles they change one part and give it an american (laughs) stamp yeah you are now buying an american (laughs) ak-47 yeah and it just feels like one big joke um yeah that's what a lot of people do a lot of companies not people sorry but i don't right and this and this isn't like to trick people everyone involved knows what's happening this is just a matter of getting around the law but you know there's a lot of times where that is not the case and it is to trick people yeah yeah, that's true, uh, unfortunately. But we're out of time, so that was a very interesting a very interesting topic. We kind of uh, jumped between a couple, but I still thought it was very interesting, very important to talk about globalization and buying American without getting too political. Absolutely. It's like it's like the pool. You can't just stay in one corner. you got to go all over the place yeah. to recover it. Yeah, pretty much. All right, before we go, you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't believe so. Um, I recommend if you're organizing anything internationally around daylight saving time, make sure you uh, check, make sure everyone's on the same hour. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're, now we're on the same page. I'll have to remember that for next week too because it changes back. Uh, with that being said, thanks so much for a uh, great conversation. I hope everyone else enjoyed it. Um, if anyone has comments, questions, or suggestions, be sure to let us know. Otherwise, uh, see you next week. Yep, looking forward to next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye.